Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the first ever Saturday Swell edition of Pacific Point of View. I'm your host, Colt Almodova. And no, today I'm not joined by Tyler Budge or Hayden Weber. Um, they typically do a Friday flow every week so far, and I have to jump in on the action on a Saturday. Um, surf Report's looking good. We're in Arizona. No idea how the waves are, but back home in Hawaii, waves are absolutely pumping. I'm actually going to be there next week, so hopefully I can jump in the water. But on the Saturday swells that I'm going to be doing over the next few months, we are going to be talking about something very near and dear to my heart, and that is everything Hawaii sports. That's going to be Hawaii football, just what's going on in the islands, what, uh, the, just the news in general uh, going on with this program. So I'm very excited to talk about Hawaii. And so let's get right into it. Let's give a brief recap of where we are right now. It's April 8th, okay? College basketball season just ended, and now we can look forward to just prepping for college football. So we're four months away, and Hawaii scheduled some tough games, okay, to start out their, their 2023 season, and, and it's not necessarily a great time. We're currently going to host Stanford, which a few years ago when they scheduled this, well, actually more like 10 years ago, but when they scheduled this game, it was like, oh, wow, we're going to host Stanford uh, at Aloha Stadium. Probably will be a packed game because there's a ton of, you know, Hawaii-Stanford connections, just the, the California alums. You know, that Hawaii connection runs deep. Like going to those big-time mainland schools on the West Coast. Yeah, and as it currently stands, you know, Hawaii's playing in a high school stadium on campus, that a field that I grew up, I mean, I used to just run around in that field right before the UH basketball games at Stan Sheriff Center. I never once thought that that field right there, T.C. Ching Athletics Complex, their little practice field that held, what, 500 or maybe 1,000 seats, it was all like cement, uh, is now the home of UH football, which is just crazy to me. Aloha Stadium... For the longest time, for my whole childhood, I believe the stadium was built in the 70s or 80s. Uh, before that, they were playing at this other field called the Termite Palace. Um, I'm pretty sure you can guess what happened to that field, uh, that stadium. It got eaten by termites. Aloha Stadium was built out of these, um, it's kind of called the Steel Palace, and was basically rusted out because of the natural uh, saltwater the erosion that goes on, it's something that happens actually to a lot of houses in Hawaii. It's just the salt water, salt and, you know, materials and architecture, and especially steel, 
just don't mix. So over time, you know, the stadium's going to break down, and that's exactly what happened. Granted, there were less people at the game, so there were less risk, uh, as especially when we talk about that Norm Chow era. But regardless, that was just a disaster waiting to happen. And also just there, there wasn't a ton of funding going into that stadium, um, which made it tough because I think the right answer might have been to just make a new stadium instead of having to f- make little fixes along the way. I mean, basically you're putting a Band-Aid on something that you know really wasn't going to solve anything. And at the time, when they were putting these small fixes toward Aloha Stadium, we lost the Pro Bowl. We lost you know a ton of fan support because the state of the program was in shambles. And now a stadium that I was going to you know, every Friday and Saturday during football season because my high school would play there. There were state championships were there. High school games were there. Just a gathering place for Oahu and for Hawaii fans is now dormant. It's just there. I mean, if you drive on Oahu through IAEA right now, the stadium is still there. However, no one's playing there. It's just an empty field, which is sad. I mean, they're currently giving away... You know, some of those seats that were in there, I, I wish I could get my seat. It was in the um, the orange, right below, it wasn't the top yellow. It was like right below, like kind of like the brown seats. Uh, we had cup holders, which was like the coolest thing because I guess no one else had cup holders. Um, not like the coolest, not like the greatest seats of all time. We were still up, but man, just the energy. That The one thing I'll always remember about Aloha Stadium, and I haven't seen a game at TC Ching yet, and I have to very soon. But the one thing I remember but about Aloha Stadium was it got loud. Something about the steel, like the vibration, and when something big happened in Hawaii, it kind of felt like that heartbeat of the island. Like Not to get all drakey and corny on you guys, but if you guys ever had a chance to go to that Aloha Stadium during a Hawaii game that you know we hopefully came down and it was exciting... You felt that energy. You felt that, that spiritual power, the, the, the mana, as a lot of you know, Hawaiians say. And so anyways, back to you know, you know, our current situation, which is kind of brutal. We're at a high school stadium, pretty much, on campus. Fine. Fair enough. That's okay. Let's develop it. Okay? We're in a new era. And this is what I've been trying to embrace as a Hawaii football fan, as a Hawaii sports fan. This is a new time. We have um, a new mayor who is a big-time Hawaii football supporter. He used to be a coach, Rick Blangiardi. used to do a uh, play-by-play. Not play-by-play. He was the color commentator for the University of Hawaii at one point. Then he did local news as a general manager. This is also a time where Hawaii has a new head coach, Timmy Chang, the chosen one. He's like... The the prodigy, he, like, Hawaii loved this guy, and he just also happens to be a family member of mine. He's my cousin. But Timmy Chang is uh, ushering in a new era of Hawaii football in a new stadium. And then we need a new athletic director because David Matlin's stepping down. So just all these different things are happening at the same time. We even got new uniforms. It's not even Under Armour anymore. It's Adidas. So everything about this program feels different. And when I look back at this program and, and where we are now, right, 2019, UH played its last home game in Aloha Stadium. Very powerful game. No one knew at the time that it was going to be the last home game in Aloha Stadium, that it was going to be shutting down 
This was Christmas Eve Hawaii Bowl against Zach Wilson's BYU team. If you've ever seen the clip, Zach Wilson rolls out of the pocket, I believe it was like late in the third quarter, and dives into the end zone to try and get a walk-in, to try and get like a crazy touchdown. And our linebacker came across, absolutely blasted him. Two players collided, and Zach Wilson did a helicopter spinning into the end zone, fumbles the ball before he crosses the plane, and we pick up the ball there. And that was just a total turning point, and the crowd erupted. And it was just so cool to be able to be a part of that last game ever in front of fans at Aloha Stadium. Um, back to where we are now. Like I mentioned, new era, new program. And what I think we can do here is pull from what we've done in other sports to try and build this football program. And let's get started with this. Hawaii baseball, right, was a program run by Mike Trapasso for, gosh, 20, 25 years. He was there forever. A guy that coached Colton Wong, guy that had my cousin Breland, who now plays for the Party Animals on the Savannah Bananas, guy that coached Josh Rojas. Decent success. We went to a couple regionals during his tenure, but nothing... You know, nothing super significant, but he was a longtime supporter of the program, and we just hired a new guy, okay? Our new hire in baseball is Rich Hill. What I like about Rich Hill and what I want to apply from these other coaches, right, to this program to see how we can build the Hawaii football community back is how they embrace their own programs. So Rich Hill, right, he comes in, he's from San Diego. He was coaching at uh, UC San Diego or uh, San Diego U. I don't know which one, the, the, the blue one, not the Tritons. Um, some other one, but it was there for many years, comes to Hawaii and absolutely embraces this program from like the press conferences to him showing up to like practice in slippers and board shorts, practically eating spam musubis. It feels like this guy just absolutely embraced Hawaii. And if you embrace Hawaii, that's one thing about, you know, the, the locals to, you know, Howley or foreigner relationship because that's that's the big thing in Hawaii it's you know that that kind of banter back and forth or you know the slight little weird thing going on there between the local people not always loving the foreigners and the Howleys whatever I think when you as a foreigner come to the islands and you prove and you you know you show your stripes and you prove that you're part of this culture you're part of this ohana you're part of this family yeah we'll embrace you that's something I didn't feel Todd Graham did. <laughs> and look where he's at now. I don't know. I saw him at a high school game in Arizona. Anyways, back to Rich Hill. He has embraced this program, putting the names on the back of the jerseys, told uh, Adidas that we want some like retro throwback new unis, and we got them. He just, it seemed like he had been in Hawaii his whole life, and we just, just never saw him, and now he's the coach. Let's go to volleyball. Charlie Wade. This was a guy that sat a section over at the Hawaii football games my whole childhood. He was always there, always supporting the team, always was at the other sports, and is dominating on the men's volleyball field, making Hawaii proud the number one men's volleyball program. They sell out the Stan Sheriff Center. This is a men's volleyball program. I don't, there's only like, you know, 15 men's volleyball programs that are even relevant in college sports. But for a men's volleyball program to be selling out like a 12,000-seat arena is just kind of crazy if you really think about that. Because that doesn't happen if we look at the, the grandscape of 
college sports right now. And what I love about Charlie Wade is the same thing that Rich Hill does. He embraces the program. But what I want to take from Charlie Wade is his strategic recruiting and knowing how to balance almost two cultures at once. So like I mentioned, so we're going to start off with Rich Hill. We're going to go back to the topic of how Hawaii football can improve its current status by taking things from other coaches, right? So to recap, first our first coach was Rich Hill. This was a guy that embraced the culture, right? Embraced Hawaii as a foreigner, okay? as someone that wasn't like a local. He's not a native guy. No one knew who this guy was. He wasn't one of the brothers until he showed up. And now, bro's an honorary Hawaiian already, okay? So the second guy is Charlie Wade. Now, what I talk about with culture is Charlie Wade's recruiting base is a lot of these foreign guys from around the world. I mean, because these are guys that play volleyball, right? And volleyball is huge in Brazil, Serbia, um, Germany, Slovakia, Greece, Everywhere. I mean, our, our team is comprised of names like Jakob Tella, Demetrios Muklios, uh, Guillermos Voss. I mean, these aren't names that you hear in America. It's not names I hear in Hawaii. But on the Hawaii volleyball team, man, we're, we're the, the all-international team. We're like FIBA out here. And it's so cool because what Charlie Wade was able to do was take a bunch of people that were not familiar with Hawaiian customs and culture and, you know, our whole flow and turn them into legends. These people are selling out these games to support kids that don't even look like them. I mean, that's kind of what the cool thing about Hawaii football is, is that there's a lot of local kids that will grow up and Hawaiian-looking guys, poly-looking guys that can see themselves on the, on the field. And a lot of times with volleyball, we don't always get that. Yes, there's a ton of Hawaii volleyball players that make it, especially on the volleyball side for women. But on the men's side right now, we currently have a team comprised of a ton of foreign dudes. And to see how they've been embraced by Hawaii and to see how Charlie Wade promotes these guys and teaches these guys, it is a testament to the program and just something I love to see and something that I want to see the, the Hawaii football team take as well because the Hawaii football team is the trendsetter. It is the moneymaker. It is, even though Hawaii volleyball is selling out all these games, they're not bringing in the revenue that Hawaii football does on a 3-10 season, which is kind of nuts, but that's the current state of the program. Laura Beeman okay, is the third coach. What I love about Laura Beeman is her commitment to Hawaii. Even though she is overly qualified to be a coach at a legit D1 women's basketball school, I don't know if it's a UConn or a Baylor or LSU or Tennessee but man, if we're talking a Power 5 program, maybe a UCLA or something like that, Laura Beeman deserves to be there. And she's not there. She's taken this women's basketball program to multiple women's, to multiple women's March Madnesses in the past, like, what is this, 15 years or so or 10 years? I'm not even sure. She's, but as of late, she's gone to a ton. And she's probably getting phone calls from these big programs because Hawaii basketball is not getting the talent. And if you've watched women's basketball, a lot of it is typically top-heavy in terms of the recruiting base and where a lot of these kids are going. Also, we don't have the NIL money that Louisville and Miami have to go and sign the Cavender Twins and, and such and such. Okay, we're getting you know, Australia, some foreign talent, 
some local kids making do with what we got. And yes, they're great players, but they are not, you know, the Caitlin Clarks of the world. Okay, if Laura Beeman had some of that talent, I honestly think Laura Beeman could take her team to a Final Four team. She is that good of a coach for what she's done at UH. It is so impressive, and I just love the fact that she is absolutely committed. She there was a quote she said yesterday about how I I'm not from Hawaii, but ever since I've been here, you know Hawaii is my home, and you guys have embraced me. And I just I absolutely love Laura Beeman's commitment, despite her winning. It was something that. You know, Nick Rolovich, you know, we loved him, and we get it. You know, it's a business decision. But back in 2019, when he took that Wazoo job for six mil, he kind of left our program in a little bit of a tough situation because we were building something with him, and he took that job because of the money, and I get it. But to see a coach like Laura Beeman, obviously she's probably not getting those offers for six million, but it's just really cool to see a great coach that wants to stay with your program. I mean, even Charlie Wade, back-to-back natties, and, and he wants to stay at UH. He doesn't want to go to Penn State. Penn State probably has more money, but he just loves Hawaii. And now back to the football team. Timmy Chang is going to enter his second year. This is a guy that I think does not have the success, obviously, yet, of a Charlie Wade or Laura Beeman in his respective field and not someone that's on the national prowl of being recruited by other teams to sign him. But he already has the first step, which is people in Hawaii love him. He didn't have to convince anyone that, you know, he was, you know, a local. This was the chosen one. He was, you know, Hawaii's second son for, you know, four years. And when I think about this Hawaii program, when we enter this new era, I want to see just him being more of the trendsetter. I love the fact that these other sports have, you know, stepped up to the plate and become, you know, the main ticket for UH athletics. But I think under this second year with Timmy Chang, what I want from him is to be more of this leader in the program. It reminds me of June Jones. And although kind of controversial, June Jones, when he became the head football coach, and I'm sure Nick Saban and Mike Krzyzewski and all the great ones will tell you, you become the voice of the entire athletic department. And June Jones was that for UH. He was someone that changed our, our name. It wasn't the Rainbow Warriors. He didn't want Rainbow. He just wanted the Warriors. And honestly, kind of it rolls off the tongue a little easier. Um, and I like the fact that we still have Go Bows. Like, Go Bows is always going to be our thing. So I like that it's already Rainbow Warriors kind of sounds like a mouthful. But anyways, June Jones was a guy that set the tone for this entire program, made the decisions. I'm sure he had more influence than the AD at the time. As he should, though. He was the guy bringing in the money and winning. And, I mean, he also like had the, the uniforms. The uniforms were sick. We had the helmet stickers that were absolutely cool. That was something I've, we've never had before until June Jones did that. It was, it, it, it was so cool. He ran that run-and-shoot offense that I'll get into in a little bit that just transformed the program he made you know not only made the program feel a little more relevant but he had this like leadership in charge and like i said june jones didn't always make the best decisions and he didn't always you know keep the relationships as as well at least through articles that we hear the best but you have to give him his props 
when it comes to how he was as just a leader of this program and how he led us, you know, all the way to the Sugar Bowl, which was the culmination of not only the football program at that time, but for this entire athletic department to be on a national stage. It was something that has never happened before. And for UH fans, it's something we are chasing every single day to get back to Louisiana, to get back to the Sugar Bowl. And sometimes it feels like those expectations aren't, you know, aren't necessarily realistic. But honestly, it's something that every single Hawaii fan keeps in their heart. It's why we cheer for the Little League World Baseball boys, because they're on national TV dominating. And that's all we want to see. And so I think we need to be louder as a program. We're too quiet. Yes, we need to win. Yes, we need to focus on winning because we don't want to be all talk you know, and, and no win. But there's something with June Jones that he brought was this level of dominance in our region, on the field, but like this swagger. They got guys that were like going off and he ran the run and shoot, which was go five wide, sprint down the field, Devon Bess, Ashley Lalee, Ryan Grice-Mullen, and we're going to have Colt Brennan, Timmy Chang, Nick Rolovich just absolutely huck the ball down the field and go win some games. I mean, back in that era, we were beating Bama, who, yeah, wasn't Nick Saban's Bama, but still, we beat Bama. <laughs> okay? Okay. So, let's take a deep breath here. That was pretty cool. I, I actually really enjoyed just kind of getting that off my chest. But I think pulling from the other coaches, collaborating, this is not only in Ohana on the field, this is Ohana off the field. And I think keeping that relationship with, the, with these other coaches would be very cool for UH football. Okay, back to the state of the program. We need a, sta- we need a stadium, okay? And right now we're talking about building that new stadium at Aloha Stadium, knocking the old one down, building the new one in the parking lot. I don't know if I love that, okay? I think maybe that could be used for another arena, Maybe it's a business district. Maybe it's for a fan duel. But I love the fact that there's already a fan base that is growing in Manoa. This is something we haven't had in at least my generation and my dad's generation of watching UH football. This was something that the students had to actually be bused from Manoa, from the dorms, 20 to 30 minutes in traffic on a Saturday in a bus. I don't know if they're being fed or anything, to the game in IAEA and then just shuttled back. No one wants that. People want to get drunk in the dorm, leave their dorm, hammered, walk to the game. And that's what we got last season. And the support of the 4,000, it seemed like three to 4,000 students that showed up consistently to all those games, man, was just absolutely remarkable. And I don't want to lose that. And so my recommendation for UH would be to keep the the stadium growing. I know there's a swimming complex there. I know the softball field is there. I know Les Murakami and uh, Stan Sheriff are the baseball and the, the basketball arenas. They're right next to it as well. So everything's just kind of a cluster, you know what, just in that area. But if there's maybe a way to knock out that swimming pool or knock out that softball stadium and just keep growing and growing, I think that would be so beneficial. Because I think we need to build out right now this program and capitalize on the fact that we can keep everything in-house. By keeping everything in-house, we can not only grow our student fan base, which is so important right now, but grow you know, the local fan base in Manoa that you know, makes it easier for them because a lot of them are 
Kupuna, their older generation. And you keep all that, that parking revenue, that ticket revenue, that food revenue, the concerts. You can do, the sky's the limit. If you host things on your home turf, you can do whatever you want. If you host it in IAEA, at Aloha Stadium, yeah, you're not going to have as much control. Some of that money that's going to be coming in from revenue, from tickets or whatever, is partially going to be deviated to the city and county. We want this going directly to the UH Athletics Program because this is where the money needs to go. And this is the program, the, the, the football program clearly needs it, especially in NIL. How are we going to afford you know, to go buy Bryce Young Okay, if we don't have the money, uh, if, if the money keeps going to the city and county, yes, politicians got to get paid. But you know what, Bryce Young, <laughs> don't, don't quote me on this, but Bryce Young is better than the politicians right now. So we need some NIL money. We need to keep the money in-house. Okay, so a lot of changes right now with the University of Hawaii. Athletic director is another thing that we're talking about here. And I kind of want to explore this a little bit. This is still an open application. I, I checked the website the other day. Technically, anyone can apply. If you have a cover letter, you have a resume, and like, what, five references, I think? I believe you can go ahead and apply. And so what I wanted to do it was target like two or three people that I wouldn't mind being the new athletic director at UH. And the first one is Toronto Raptors general manager. Uh, his name is Bobby Webster. He's 38 years old. He's a Kailua native. His favorite beach is Bellows Beach. That's my favorite beach on the east side. Uh, he's an Iolani graduate. Okay, so that, for those of you that know this, this is not Obama's Punahou, Manti Teo's Punahou. This isn't Kamehameha High School. This, that's where I went. This isn't the Tua Tungavailoa Mariota St. Louis. This is Iolani. Okay, this is Smart School 101. And Bobby Webster went to, I believe, UC Santa Barbara, studied economics, did business, worked his way up, and is now the GM of the Raptors. What I love about this is he's got Hawaii ties, and he knows business. And right now, we need big business decisions, financial decisions, direction of the program, someone to step in. Because if it's not going to be Timmy Chang, who has you know Hawaii football to take care of, we need a young thinker that isn't tied to like the previous administration or even the June Jones administration because sometimes the politics with June Jones, the, that clan, gets a little weird and it kind of feels like it's June Jones versus the program. I don't love that. It seems a little messy. I think June Jones had his time. I don't think bringing in June Jones as the AD would be the best thing. Let's look at new, young, fresh, kind of like how we did with Timmy Chang. There's a new guy that comes in and lights it up. Okay, number two. Mayor, former mayor, okay, Mufi Hanneman, okay, this is a guy who is the president and CEO of the Hawaii Lodging and Tourism Association, someone that clearly knows, uh, you know, what's making us money in the islands, also a guy that just loves sports, I remember he hosts every single year a Mufi Hanneman basketball tournament, basketball clinic, he is also just very visible in the community, someone that a lot of people love. I don't know if a lot of people loved him as mayor, but you know you don't get to be the president and CEO of the Hawaii Lodging and Tourism Association by not knowing, you know, what's bringing in the dollars. And I think that could also be a huge, you know, advantage to UH by being able to capitalize on maybe the tourism impact of UH athletics. How can we best get involved 
with a Hawaiian Airlines with, and I know they're already the travel partner, but how do we explore that even more? Where do we maybe market UH in Waikiki where, or Japan or literally everywhere? I mean, Hawaii is a place everyone talks about, everyone wants to go to. What about its Hawaii athletics and Hawaii football that they're also including in that sentence as well? And maybe that's where Mufi Hanneman can come in too. Keith Amemia, he's an executive director of Central Pacific Bank uh, Foundation. Uh, he was the executive director of the Hawaii High School Athletic Association, the HHSAA. That's just basically how all the high school sports are run in Hawaii. This guy knows high school sports. And that could be very important, his expertise in being able to hold on to high school prospects, being able to provide facilities, funding to local athletes, understanding how that whole system works. Absolutely love that. Uh, and then there's this other guy listed here, uh, George Killebrew, Punahou School graduate, commissioner of Major League Rugby, spent 27 years as an executive VP and chief rev- revenue officer of the Dallas Mavericks. Once again, Absolutely love the Punahou connection. That's Obama's high school. And Major League Rugby. Oh my gosh. If Major League Rugby had a footprint in Hawaii as well, that would be, that would be nice. Even if George Killebrew isn't the guy that becomes the next AD, someone better be on the phone with this guy to try and have Major League Rugby in Hawaii, whether it's a couple games every year, like how the NFL does with the Germany games, or if we could get our own team. That would be absolutely lit. So when I look for a new athletic director, I kind of want a little bit outside the June Jones politic clan thing. I, I want someone that knows business, knows very forward thinking in the new NIL. I know ASU has had some problems with, yeah, we don't really love NIL. We want someone here that's like, we need the money because we need to build a stadium that's up to compliance. We want to get the talent that is necessary to succeed. And we also want to be relevant even when we're not good, because I think that's what we need. That's something I talked about earlier. We want to be a program that you think about for multiple reasons. Even marketing the men's volleyball team. like No one knows that we're back-to-back champs in men's volleyball. I think all that takes is marketing. I don't know. I'll digress. Um, some new stuff with the program. And I know we're almost hitting time here. Uh, but Micah Alejado... Uh, is committed to just committed to the University of Hawaii football program. He's a quarterback. He's a junior right now at Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas. He was named the Max Preps 2024 Player of the Year. And this was a guy that Vinny Passis has worked with. Vinny Passis, if you don't know, um, was the QB's coach at St. Louis High School and a guy that developed Jaden Delora, Chevin Cordero, Tua Tango Vailoa. Uh, Marcus Mariota, he's pretty good. So Vinny Passes is also helping to develop Micah Alejado, which is so awesome because now we get one of these guys to actually commit to UH. I know we had Shevin, but he left. Vinny Passes is saying this guy reminds him of Tua. I mean, if we can get a Tua going to UH, that changes everything, especially now that we're running the run and shoot starting this year. I mean, that'll be amazing. I think Braden Shager... Right now, he's going to be the current starter. He's been with this program for two seasons now. He's experienced, at least in this offense. I didn't say he was good. I said he was experienced. And now we're going to do a non-spread, and we're going to run the run and shoot, something that's been so successful for us. And I think with Micah Alejado, if he actually stays true and stays committed to this program, man, it'll be really cool seeing him 
in two years uh, take the field and and hopefully Shager can get this thing going, work out the kinks with how you know Timmy Chang wants to run his run and shoot so that when Michael Alejandro comes in, man, QB1, day one, and it's seamless. Um, so excited, though, for what the future of Hawaii football holds. Um, kind of hitting time right now. We're at about the 30-minute mark, but that was really cool. That was our first Saturday Swell episode of Pacific Point of View. So happy that we can talk about Hawaii sports. If you if you guys ever have anything that you want to you know talk about or any recommendations or you have any questions about Hawaii, please don't hesitate to DM us on a Pacific uh, POV on Instagram. We're also on uh, Twitter at View underscore Pacific because of some weird little uh, username thing. Uh, so yes, View underscore Pacific on Twitter as well. But yes, it was absolutely fun being able to talk about Hawaii football. And thank you guys so much for listening. Looking forward to doing this again in a couple of weeks. And, and hopefully, you know, we can start prepping for Vanderbilt and changing the, the tide after what happened last year. Uh, I'm Colt Almodova. Thank you once again. Uh, mahalo and aloha. Uh, have a very nice weekend, everyone. Bye-bye.